The following audio message is from Neighborhood Church in Overland Park, Kansas. At Neighborhood Church, we seek to be a community that loves God and our neighbors together. If you would like to learn more about Neighborhood Church, please go to www.neighborhoodchurchop.com. Many of you uh, were super kind last weekend in my 42nd birthday happened and uh, all the Facebook and text messages were super were super kind and Rivers took me out on a date on Friday and um, we went to that uh, movie theater uh, off 135th the Cinetopia one where you can consume uh, cheeseburgers while you watch your favorite robots transform so that's what we did that's what 42 year olds in my house do for their birthday it was a blast and one thing about going to uh, theater and turning 42 is, as you guys know, as I drink gallons of Coke Zero, it, it tends to uh, make me need to go to the bathroom a lot. And when you're in a theater like that where, you know, some of these theaters only have like, you know, 20, 26, 20, 28 seats, right? And uh, you feel like it's a, a big living room of, of maybe a, a rich uncle or something and you're watching this huge screen. It's, it's, you can't even see the pixels and the the speakers are like there's 90 of them all around you, and you can hear like the wind blowing from behind you and the lasers from in front of you, and, and uh, there's cheeseburgers just in front of you and french fries. I mean, everything is set out perfect, and, and not only that, but your best friend and her warm hand is inside yours, you know, that, all that's perfect. And I didn't want to leave to go to the bathroom. So the bathroom is like the complete opposite of the situation that I was in, right? But I knew that I was going to have to go at some point. And why don't we want to leave? We don't want to miss that big scene, right? The big moment you keep waiting on, because you know it's going to happen as soon as you leave. But when I returned, I heard those beautiful words. You didn't miss anything. (laughs) Yes! Right? Those words are great, right? Those words are are great, right? Like, it wasn't like, Bumblebee's actually Optimus Prime. You're like, "Ah, really? After all these years, and I missed that, that reveal. Holy mo- moly. But I just, this whole idea of being prepared and wanting to be ready for things is uh, kind of our theme of this morning. And my hope is, is that uh, as we talk about not missing the big moment, right, not missing the big moment and how to be prepared, that you will grasp onto what Matthew and Christ wants to teach us in Matthew chapter 25. Last week, we talked about Matthew 24. Uh, that we went through the whole chapter. is one of the first times we've done that. And uh, it was very apocalyptic, right? This destruction of uh, Jerusalem and the coming of uh, the end of the age and how to endure that. And today, Jesus is continuing on, but instead of just give, maybe giving some facts, he's going to be uh, sharing with us a parable, right? So that's what we're going to be looking at today. And in most Bibles, if you turn to Matthew 25, it says the parable of the ten virgins, but there is nothing sexual about this, okay? There's nothing like that at all in this story. It's kind of odd language, but just realize that these are actually just 10 young girls that are a part of a wedding uh, ceremony. And that's what we'll be looking at, these 10 girls, and we would probably call them, you know, flower girls or bridesmaids even. Um, as we look at Matthew 24:44 to set this up, Jesus says, you also must be ready For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So then let's go right into Matthew 25, 1 through 13. 
Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the, bar- as the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom, come out and meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, Go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open up to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Now, this is a story Jesus is telling to make a point. And to understand these parables, sometimes we need to get in their culture. In their culture, this first century Jewish marriage would consist of a a groom leaving his house at some point during the day and the festivities of him going to the bride's home where the wedding was often there. And then hopefully he would get there at a decent hour. Sometimes it was in the evening, right? But there was the ceremony, and all the family and all the guests were there to celebrate. And then after the wedding at the bride's home, they would then go back to the groom's home and have this great marriage feast. And as I was studying this week, you know, we often talk about this idea of marriage, this covenant of a man and a woman, and the design of this being a God who loves his church so much that he wanted us as humans to have a physical uh, ex- example of how much he is connected and covenanted with his church. So we have this thing called marriage, a man and a woman saying, hey, together I'll be with you. But actually, it's a symbol of God and humans and how much God loves people and how much he wants to be in, uh, in covenant relationship with them. But as I was studying this week, you know, the, the wedding ceremony, we don't think about that very much. But picture this wedding ceremony. How the Christ, the groom, he comes. There's a celebration, a uniting. And then what happens next? Almost every wedding, there's a party, right? There's a celebration. That's what's happening here in this story. A story of a king, a groom, coming for his bride, followed up by a party. So we're going to learn three things this morning from these three characters, the groom, the five wise girls, and the five foolish girls. So let's begin with the groom. We learn from the parable that he arrives at his own wedding at midnight. Now there's a future mother-in-law that's not very happy, right? Midnight. How long did it take you to get here? When did you leave? There was some sort of delay Can I have some more information about that, please? On your wedding day, this most important day of your life? So what is Jesus teaching here? Well, when he comes, Jesus is the groom in this story, is he's going to come when you do not expect it. 
He will come. There will be some sort of delay. God has a reason right now why Jesus has not returned yet. But when he arrives, when Jesus arrives, we will know it. Some will be ready and some not. So our first point for today, Jesus will return when we do not expect it. This was last week's emphasis in chapter 24, if you want to know more about this. We, we don't know when, but the good news is, friends, that he will return. Amen? So the next section here, the next characters we're going to look at, is the five wise girls. So we have a groom who's going to come, we just don't know when. So what do we learn from these five wise girls uh, and they remind me of a time when I, I lived up in Maine, a, Lis- a, a town called Lisbon Falls that had one red blinking light about an hour from the coast in the middle of freaking nowhere in Maine, which is already a state in the middle of nowhere, right? So I lived in this town. I could walk from one side to the other. That's where our two schools were. So I only walked to school from third grade to sixth grade in the snow. And I was down in a valley, so it was uphill both ways, right? It's always uphill. And I want you guys to know that when I was there, one of the most impactful uh, organizations that I joined was scouting. And some of you guys are a part of that. Some of you guys have led in scouting, and some of you guys are probably Boy Scouts in the room. And the two-word motto they hammered into us as a young scout is, Be prepared. Be prepared. So Robert Baden-Powell... This guy, 100 years ago, created this wonderful organization. His idea was that scouts should prepare themselves to become productive citizens and strong leaders and to bring joy to other people. He wanted each scout to be ready in mind and body and to meet with a strong heart whatever challenges await. That was his hope. And I, I want to say that was hammered in my mind. So these five girls, they're scouts, man. They were, it was hammered in them to be prepared. What do we know about them? Well, verse 4, the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. You guys know the kids that are in third and fourth grade and wear the, the vests and all the pockets? right? And you need something, they're like, I got that, right? Those are normally scouts. Joel and I are thinking about a friend of ours in youth group. Always had everything, a pen, a pencil, a clicking pencil, a clicky pen, a erasable pen. What do you need? I got it. He was ready. It was hammered in. So these girls' responsibility that night, it had something to do with having a lamp lit up along the way. There was 10 of them, They were probably providing the light for the bridal party in the evening. They were given this job, and those who were organizing the wedding expected it to be done. Now, they didn't know the when, clearly, right? They didn't know how long of a wait, clearly. But just like many of us have learned in our lives, uh, we have to be prepared for unplanned scenarios. And right now, in the room, there's probably right now somebody, a family, experiencing maybe some chaos from an unplanned scenario. Something happened that you had no idea was about to happen, and right now maybe what keeps you awake at night is you could have been prepared if you would have thought through or or, uh, 
planned a little bit better of what the chaos you're in right now. Now, I know many things that go on in our life, they just hit us in the face. You're like, no way. I would have not have gotten that one at all. But I, right now, I'm thinking about my family, and in most families, and probably growing up or in your family right now, there's, there's a combination of different types of people who like to be prepared, and when that kind of bar finally gets, you know, lifted to the right point, right? Maybe a husband and wife, one's like, we'll just figure it out when we get there, right? And the other spouse is like, no, we need to go to the store again, right? I, I think at one time, Paul and I were moving a moving a grill in the back of a pickup truck for one of the Pawnee events. And, you know, we put a strap on. I'm like, that's fine. Paul's like, no, 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 no. Then we put another strap on. It's like, good. He's like, no, 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 no. I don't know if Paul lost a grill in his past or something, but he was prepared for an unplanned event of that grill just jumping out of the back of a pickup truck. And it made here safe there and back for sure. And then I had back surgery. So um, that grill is a beast. So here... Right now, in our lives, it may be similar to you, with it being wintertime, Rivers and I will just tell you, we hate being cold. Memphis kids, Florida family blood, you know, being cold is the worst, right? So when we go out the door, it's like gloves inside the jacket, the hat on, the hood, the thickest coat we can, oh, it's only 45 outside, but I'm ready. It could drop at any moment. Our kids want to wear a hoodie. Every day, no matter what the temperature is, right? And some of you guys have kids who love their hoodies a little too much. But we want to tell them, guys, when you go play outside in a hoodie, you're going to last a minute. And they're like, but I don't care. It's so fun. But when we actually, and some of you guys have done this, you go find the gloves, you go find that. Where are the ski pants? Holy moly. Who put those? But you find it all, and the kids go outside, and what happens, parents? You got a good hour of just chilling in the warm house. But you got to do that prepared work. So being prepared now actually provides future joy. So these five wise girls took the scout motto and they acted on it. They knew they needed to have a light ready for the groom and this wedding ceremony. And they did what a good scout would do. They went and got extra oil. They filled up their own lamps took those flasks so when the waiting into the night went longer and longer and longer, the unexpected actually happened. He came at midnight. Holy moly, the five wise girls were prepared. What did they get? They were invited along with the groom into the feast. So point number two, the prepared get the party. Sorry all those words are chopped off there. The prepared get the party. Point number two. Jesus is teaching that those that endure, who are prepared for his return, for his second coming, they get the banquet. They get the dancing, the celebration for all eternity. Jesus will return, friends. Are you prepared like these five wise girls? And you may be asking, hey, Dave, how do you prepare for this? Where is the oil store? I didn't know they had those. Who knows how to light an oil lamp anyway, right? So, of course, spiritually speaking, I'm going to give you three. Three things. How does one prepare for the second coming? So, number one, build your relationship with God now. Last 
chapter, Jesus used this analogy of birth pains. It's not actually the final birth. It's the, it's the contractions, right? It's this like initial start of the birth. The final pain is going to happen. So during this season, let's grow in our love for God. Let's talk to him. Let's talk about him. Let's come to worship. Let's enjoy him. Let's read and pray. It's one thing to prepare for a new baby while you have some contractions going on. and It's another thing that you're in the delivery room and you're like, oh, wow, Target has a sale on the diaper genie. Let's go get it now. No. That time is over. It's time for the birth. Friends, it's time right now to build your reliance on God and not assume that when pain and tribulation comes, you're going to be like, God, I want to become more close to you. Do you guys see the contrast there? You may think, I'll prepare later. And when Jesus comes back and there's utter chaos going on, you might be thinking, I should have been building my relationship with God before. So number one, build a relationship with God now. Number two, build a relationship with the family of God. Jesus told us in chapter 24 that some of us are going to begin to hate one another, that our love for one another is going to grow cold at the end of the age. My hope is that you want to be one of the faithful. So build those relationships now with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Work on growing your love for those that are your neighbors, your coworkers. One thing we talk about here a lot is the, the BLESS strategy. That's B-L-E-S-S. We study this every year. It shows up in our small groups, our neighborhood groups. It shows up in our sermons. It shows up in our discipleship groups. But these letters are begin in prayer, listen, eat, serve, story, B-L-E-S-S. We talk about this. It's a way to grow in your love for your neighbors. Do this now before tribulation comes. Number two was build your relationship with the family of God and your neighbors. Number three, repent of sin. What does repentance mean? Well, it means to have remorse and to have a change of heart and a change of action. Do you have remorse over your sin right now? Is your sin just right there in the room? It's the huge elephant that you cuddle with. Or is it this evil presence of chaos that you're trying to get out of your life, that you feel bad about, that you're remorseful about? My hope is, is that as you repent, you will seek the truth in the Scriptures, you will see those sins as things that are destroying your satisfaction, fight them, and change your action. Seek the godly advice of brothers and sisters that you trust. Are you doing that? Are you seeking hope and help and encouragement from others? To do that, you've got to confess your sin to them. Are you willing to be humble enough to say, I need help? I want to change. I'm tired of living in a prison. My hope is that when you repent, is that you will live in freedom of those sins. And you rely on Jesus that's preparation. That's discipline. That's getting ready to endure the tribulation. So in review, let's focus on growing our love for God and our neighbors together. Let's fight sin, live in freedom, and the reward's going to be great. We're prepared 
to get the party. You know, in the, you know that feeling that you get, and maybe it's been a while for you guys as well as me, where you were in class, and you're just sitting there, and it's just a normal day, and those dreaded words are said by the teacher. All right, everybody, clear your desks, get out one sheet of paper and a pencil. What's about to happen? A pop quiz. And all those chemicals in your brain release chemicals in your stomach, and it looks, feels a lot like when you see a police officer. You're like, whatever that chemical is, and you're like, you know. So anyway, that happens. When you put those books away and you're getting out the paper, and we'll say this scenario. You're, you're up on your reading. You read last night extra, right? You just paid attention the entire week. The entire time, and you, this subject, you got this, and you're getting your paper out, <laughs> and your pencil looking at it, like you're ready to go. But what's like 95% of the room, right? The dread, right? The uncomfortableness. And what do we hear from those folks? Whining, grumbling, and they see your confidence, and what do you see your neighbor starting to do? What's he got there? Seven? Germany? You know, it's like, you know, whatever your class is, of course. You realize they were not prepared like you were. So let's transition into the five uh, foolish girls. So our last characters, they were not ready for the delay of the groom. They assumed they had enough oil inside their lamp for the tasks they had. But when that delay came, what did they do? They began to, like, lean over. To the wise girls, right? Hey, can, can we have some of your oil, please? Pr pretty, please? We heard he's close. They've called out the groom is coming. But we're not ready. We're out. We didn't expect it to come so late. So the wise girls said, well, if we give you ours, there's not going to be enough to do what we need to do. So you need to go buy your own. And maybe that's how you guys did pop quizzes, too. You're like, you study, you suckers. You study yourself. I got these, you know. It's the same way. You do your own work. You bring your own oil. So the foolish girls went and bought the supplies. And what happened while they were gone? The groom showed up. And the wedding feast began. In verse 12, when they came to the door, to the feast, Right? What do they hear? Truly I say to you, I do not know you. So in the parable, the reality is everyone will need their own amount of preparation, and you can't use someone else's. There's a link to preparation, preparation and the relationship to the groom. So what's our last point today? It's kind of a hard point. It is. Point number three. The unprepared are not in the family. I believe that this parable teaches what many of Jesus' parables teach about the kingdom. It teaches that if you are a true citizen of the kingdom, you are a child of the king, and you will act in a certain way. Who you are will be seen by what you do. Your true identity will be displayed by your actions. Here's a couple passages from Matthew. This is Jesus and other parts of up to this point. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you'll know them by their fruits. Where he connects the tree 
It's going to produce a certain kind of truth. Your identity will produce some sort of specific actions. Matthew 15, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. So this connection of who they are and what's happening is different. So clearly, Jesus knows that your actions will follow your identity. And as we close, my hope as a church that we will be prepared. That we're going to prepare for the end of the age whenever it comes. We'll prepare our children for the end of the age whenever it comes. While it's still just the birth pains. As we are a people who are preparing, it's going to display and prove that we follow God. You never see somebody getting all their camping gear together, loading in their car, and they're not going camping. That guy's a camper. How do you know? He packs his car a lot with camping gear, and then he leaves. Let's be a church where we're preparing by loving God and loving other people. And people go, what's up with you? You're always getting ready for something. I know, Jesus is coming back. Are you ready? That sounds like children of God. And when we do that, we will be rewarded by his eternal wedding banquet. The groom will be celebrated, and the church, us, will be the beloved bride. Jesus will return. Let's be prepared. Here's four questions I want to end us with, and we'll have these up during communion today as well. How are you preparing for the return of Christ? What is one step you can take this week to prepare? So consider that. How are you preparing? If Christ has returned today at 2 p.m., it's not going to happen because I just said it probably, right? But if he came at 2 p.m., are you ready? What steps do you need to take? Number two, how could you grow in your love for God? Are you leaning into him? Are you relying on him? Are you relying on his word? Are you reading through the Old Testament with us as a church or on some other uh, way that you're studying the Bible? Number three, how can you grow in your love for your neighbors? Are you blessing people? Are you eating with, with strangers? Are you building relationships with people? And lastly, just like we talked about in confession, what sin do you need to repent of and who can you ask for help from? Let me pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that um, you give us examples in these parables of, of positive people to follow. May we be like the five wise girls who prepared, who weren't, who weren't assuming they had just enough and didn't want to go the extra, do the extra work, but were willing to, to do the work. And I pray that our friendships, that we lean on one another when we need to lean, and we hold up one another when we see a brother or sister is falling. May we be that kind of church that endures to the end. Amen.